0: Very good. I hope you've had a chance and opportunity to meet the Montgomery family as they are here staying in our missionary house for these months and preparing to go back to Columbia at the end of this year. Um, we'll have them in, in worship on that last Sunday before uh, before they head back and have a prayer of blessing for them. And And I hope you noticed that in the, the video there, which Mike Ghetto, thank you Mike for, for leading and helping put that together. And not helping put that together, putting that together, and, uh, and all the, the great uh, gift and ministry that he provides. But uh, uh, I hope you notice that the home shots there uh, that were taken were in our missionary house. And the Montgomerys, we are blessed to be able to come alongside of them in their, their time at home in the States and to allow them to, to stay in our missionary house. And, and she shared, as, as we talked about that, just the significance and importance for their family. To be able to come back to the same home uh, every time they come back on furlough. And the kids get to go to the same school, be in the same rooms, and it, it's it's an important experience for them. And so again, I want to say thank you as a church for sponsoring, for keeping up a missionary house that opens that we're able to open our doors to, to families that are, are living cross-culturally to share the gospel and to minister. Um, Wow, what incredible music today. Don't you love missionary music, right? Mission singing you want to get up and go somewhere, don't you? Wow, that was good stuff. Great hymns, choir, and of course, these songs, this, this beautiful song, People Need the Lord, uh, is a song that came out of the 80s back in the day. Um, it was, it was a song as I was going through my uh, missionary process as a journeyman. Uh, People Need the Lord was written by Steve Green. Some of you will, will be familiar with his story. He was a, a missionary kid in Argentina, I believe, in South America, and wrote that song as I was a college student. As, and it was sung, it was played as a song of, of commissioning, of sending at uh, the, the commissioning service I was a part of as a journeyman as I prepared to go into Panama. For a couple of years. And so it's a powerful song. It's, it's a song that reminds us that people need the Lord. In Spanish, as that song is, has made its way across the globe in different languages, in Spanish, the way that's translated is Tienen que saber. Tienen que saber. They must or they have to know. They have to know. They have to know about Jesus. They have to know about the hope of of Christ, of salvation. People need the Lord. They desperately need to know. So as we study and talk about the life of Barnabas over, over these weeks, today we see in the life of Barnabas what I want to call a missionary spirit. And discerning and understanding that, that, that Barnabas' heart was to go and to share the gospel and to take the good news to people who'd never heard about Jesus because that was a source and a, and a way to encourage and to comfort them in church today. We are reminded as the flags of the nations hang in our midst that we are still called to go and to share the good news of Christ with people who desperately need to know. I'd like this morning to, to take us just briefly through a couple of, of passages in the book of Acts. So if you would start with Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, it, a lot of times as we hear of this great commission, this, this great missionary uh, commission that we've been given by our Lord, we, we refer to that, that familiar passage in Matthew 28. But as we look at Luke's Gospel and as we look at the book of Acts, that that second part of Luke's story, uh, we see again this missionary commission, this this command to go into all the nations and to preach the Gospel. In verse... uh, Verse 7 and verse 8, Jesus says this as He prepares to descend into heaven. It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you. He's speaking to the disciples, to those that will gather in just a few verses in that upper room. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, if you're familiar with the writings of, of Luke in this gospel and here in, in the book of Acts, it, it's important to understand and to know that, that for Luke, everything is about the work and the, the movement and the power of the Spirit of God. In fact, in Luke's writings, there, there are three epics or, or three, if you'd allow me to say, three acts that he focuses on in in his Gospel and in the book of Acts. The first really begins to stir in Luke chapter 1. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit to, to bring about the birth of two men. The first, Elizabeth, and her son John, who would be called John the Baptist. And of course, that powerful story of Mary, who the angel of the Lord comes and says that the Spirit of God will come upon you and you will be pregnant with child. And there, just a a couple of verses later, as as Christ is born, as He grows into adulthood, we see that Jesus is baptized. And how is that beautiful picture described, that scene in Jesus' life, is that the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus. So that in Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins His ministry by saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what I want to call the the incarnation, is that first act of the Spirit of God in the gospel. And then we get to hear what we just read in Acts chapter 1, the birth of the church. I will send my spirit, and you will have the power of my spirit, and be witnesses, first here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then into the, the, the uttermost parts, the remotest parts of the world In Acts chapter 2, really through about chapter 12, is the story of the Spirit of God coming upon and falling upon the early church and through the power of God beginning to share the gospel. In Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost. We see later the story of, of the gospel going to the Samaritans as Philip meets the Ethiopian eunuch on his way to Samaria. We see Peter going to share the gospel with the Gentiles in Judea. But it's in Acts chapter 13 that we see this third act, this third act of the gospel going into the the remotest parts of the world. And, And I want to share that story with us today. So turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 13. And the curtain rises on this. This next act of the Spirit of God to the ends of the earth, to the remotest parts of the world. Now there were at Antioch, in the church, that there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul is, is Paul. We're going to see that change in, in, in how he's called. Saul being his... Um, his, his Hebrew name, and Paul being his, his Greek name, his Gentile name. So as, as Paul is seen moving from the church in, in Antioch and in Jerusalem to being the, the missionary of, the, of, the, of Europe, moving into Turkey, we begin to refer to Paul by his Greek name, uh, which is Paul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting there in Antioch, the Holy Spirit said, said to the church, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and they laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John, John Mark, as their helper. Let's pause there for just a minute. I love this picture of the early church. The early church is described as a church that was invested and involved in the work of the Spirit of God to share the good news of Christ wherever God called them. And notice these descriptors here. The early church set apart and sent out. Church, that's what we've been singing about today. That's what I want you to to hear today is that 2,000 years later, the church must continue. It is still part of our mandate. It is still part of our mission, our commission from the Lord to set apart and to send out those from our midst, those that go and, and minister specifically and uniquely the message, the gospel of Christ. And certainly, sometimes that's in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, but church, we must be reminded that we are still called to set apart and send out those from our church, from our congregations, to go into all the parts of the world to share the good news of Christ. Let's continue on in this, this beautiful story. Now, it's interesting that, that Paul and Barnabas go out to Cyprus before they end up entering into southern, uh, so what we call today southern Turkey uh, to, to continue their ministry. Well, why Cyprus? I, I don't know necessarily. I, I have some thoughts. I, I remember that, that the church of Antioch really began and was strengthened because believers from Cyprus came to Antioch. I'm reminded that Barnabas is originally from Cyprus. I'm reminded that that Cyprus is an island. Maybe it was an important staging point as as they would make their way into where they ultimately wanted to go into southern Turkey. And we also know that at that time that that there was a strong Jewish population. There were, were strong synagogues on the island of Cyprus. So Paul and Barnabas go to Cyprus And we'll pick up the story in verse 6. It's a a beautiful, powerful story of the Spirit of God. When they had gone through the whole island, remember they they were going to the synagogues preaching the gospel in verse 5. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Jesus. Now, what we need to be reminded of is whenever we see the word bar in our our scriptures, that that comes from the Greek, and that word means son of. So they meet a man who is described as a false prophet, a magician, but his name was son of Jesus. I I hope you can see the irony here, right? So let's continue reading. It's going to get good. So here we go. He was the proconsul of Sergius Paulus, a Roman official, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So, so Sergius Paulus had heard that these two guys, Paul and Barnabas, were, were traveling, were circulating around the island, and the Roman procurator, leader, heard about it so I need to talk to these guys I want them to come and, and to tell me their story and so so they are summons to Barnabas and Saul but Elamus, the magician that's his name is translated this is also bar Jesus this is the same person was opposing them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith but Saul here's this transition we talked about but Saul who was also known as Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit fixed his gaze on him. So, so let's back up. Barnabas, remember last week, there's that word again, bar, right? So what do we know that, about Barnabas? He's the son of encouragement. He's the son of comfort. Well, remember that Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the comforter, the encourager, the helper. So if you follow me, here's Barnabas, the son of... Encourager, the son of com- the comforter, the son of the Holy Spirit. And here's Paul, who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're talking to Bar Jesus, who's the son of Jesus, right? I said, it, it's, it gets great. Here we go. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him. He fixed his gaze on the son of Jesus. Now remember that. He fixed his gaze on the son of Jesus. And he said to him, You who are full of deceit and fraud, you are the son of the devil. Wow. You enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Remember John the Baptist. How was John the Baptist described? He was described as making straight (laughs) the crooked ways, right? Of man here Bar Jesus is known as the one he's not the son of Jesus he's really the son of devil of the devil and he's not really making the pathway straight preparing the way for the Lord instead he's making the straight ways of the Lord crooked now behold the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and not see the Sun for a, a time And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Interesting how Paul describes this blindness. Remember Paul's story. Paul was blinded by what? He was blinded by the light. So that he could see. Bar Jesus... The one who makes crooked the ways of the Lord is not blinded by the light. He's blinded by the darkness. He's blinded by the darkness. And what's interesting is all this is taking place in front of the proconsul. Then, verse 12, the proconsul believed. He believed when he saw what had happened. And he was amazed at the teachings of the Lord. You will be my witnesses when the Spirit of God comes upon you, and you will be filled with power. Paul and Barnabas were set apart by the church at Antioch as the Spirit of God filled them. And as they went into this first place of Cyprus, they experienced the power of God as they offered a witness to Christ Jesus. And from there we know the rest of the story. Paul and Barnabas traveling into southern Turkey to share the gospel And seeing the power of God manifest as people came to know Christ Jesus as Lord. And So as we continue to focus upon Barnabas, I want us to focus upon his his missionary spirit. For you see, this son of encouragement, this son of comfort, knew that in order to really share comfort and encouragement in a way that would be meaningful and transformative in the lives of others, that he must go And that he must share a witness of Christ because true comfort and true encouragement and true help is only found through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we see Barnabas throughout the story of Acts. He's always being sent out by the Holy Spirit and the church four times. First, he's sent to Antioch by the church at Jerusalem to see what what was going on there. To see what God was doing. He was sent to to find Paul in Tarsus. As Paul had gone away to to study and to to, to grow in his faith before he could be used by God. It was Barnabas that was sent to go and find Paul and bring him back. Here it's Barnabas that is sent out by the church. He and Paul on that first missionary journey. And later on in in the book of Acts, we see that Barnabas again goes out with his cousin John Mark, they go back to Cyprus to check on the work of the church and of Christ. You see, we always see Barnabas going out, being called and set apart by the church, and being sent out for the work of Christ. church. The missionary spirit and call of 2,000 years ago is just as urgent and vital to the life of the church today as it was then. In fact, the missing power in so many of our lives and so many of our churches today is because we have neglected this call. Look around this sanctuary. Look at the flags of the nation. This isn't just cloth on the walls or on flagpoles. This represents the people's of the world, the peoples that need to hear and know of Christ. You see, we still have a story to tell. We must tell it. We must tell it in worship as we gather each Sunday. We must tell it to the broken and to the poor that we serve here in our neighborhoods, and our community. We must tell it as we send our youth to Watonga to leave vacation Bible schools during the summer during the summer we must tell it as we send folks to refurio not just to restore homes but to restore lives in choir and orchestra y'all have the chance some of you this summer to go into Europe we have the chance to tell that story to sing that story in churches cathedrals in Europe we must go and tell the story you see the missionary calling is just as vibrant for us today as it's been forever. I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. I remember the voice of the Lord coming to Isaiah. And Isaiah said this in verse six, chapter 6, verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, Lord, send me. Oh, church, we must have that missionary spirit and heart to send our folks into the world, into our neighborhood, into our state, in our nation, into our community. We must be faithful to do that. and We must be faithful to go when called and sent by the Spirit of God. Kind of a parenthesis and aside to that is living here in Norman, Oklahoma. The nations of the world come to us in so many different ways. Through OU, the, the, the nations of the world are coming to us. We don't always have to go across the ocean to meet the folks of the world. I was so blessed and touched last couple of weeks ago as the flags of the nations were hung in our sanctuary, as we had several of our folks that, that, have, that are attending and members who have family, who have friends that live in, in these nations, who they themselves are first and second generation Americans. And it stirred their hearts to think that we would have a vision for the peoples of the world, for the peoples of their Nations, church, we are called to go, but we're also called to respond to those that come our way. I love we've got the Lee family it has led so many of us to be uh, reminded of, of being able to reach out through OU channels and to adopt international students, to, to love and nurture them, to welcome them into our nation, our community, and to love them and serve them. I love our Friendship International Ministry on Thursdays that invites the peoples of the nations to come and and to learn a little English, to learn a little culture, and certainly to learn about Jesus. The nations of the world are, are coming to us. But church, we must not neglect and forget our call to send and to set apart those from within our church to go. This church played such a, a powerful, powerful role in my own calling to go to Panama for those two years after college as I was searching and seeking what God wanted to do in my life and, and, and is to prepare me for ministry. God, what do I do in this passage, this very verse? Who will go? Who will go and share the gospel with the peoples of the world And Isaiah said, well, well, here am I, send me. And and I thought to myself, well, you know, I can do that. I I can go. I can go for a couple of years and and see if that's where God is stirring my heart for for a career, for for lifelong ministry and vocation. I can go. I can go and serve and come alongside of missionaries and and missionary kids and, and love on them and help them, support them. Lord, here I am. Send me. And what about you? This is not just a question for me, it's not just a question for Isaiah. It's a question for all of us. Who will go? Who will I send? I'm so thankful in our congregation, the the, the missionaries that we have who've given their lives. I think of missionary kids who grew up on the mission field. I I think of families like the Whartons and and, and the Bonds that we've heard from, the Wilsons that we've we've heard from at different times of how God called them to serve. Catherine Maltaner, how how she and her husband were called in retirement to go and to serve and to live in Ghana. I think of the example of Larry Gardner who works with International Commission, a, a ministry that's passionate about training local national pastors and sharing the gospel. I, I think of, of Gary Storm and Alan Moraine who are involved in, in reaching Souls International and have introduced our church to that that ministry that again goes into the nations. Last Tuesday night I had the privilege of of being at Quell Springs Baptist as the International Mission Board sent out twenty-nine missionaries. Oklahoma Baptist making the commitment to, to send more and to set apart more to go into the world to share the gospel. I think of Don Gilmore who serves on our missions on the CBF Missions Council and has the opportunity to, to learn about what's going on in CBF Missions and, and how CBF is sending and nurturing and sharing the gospel throughout the nations of the world. I think of the value and the importance of short-term missionary trips and opportunities. Those that go overseas, those that go even here in our nation. You see, church, the voice of the Lord is still calling. And this church must continue to set apart and send Paul's and Barnabas's to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Let me share some statistics with you. I, I believe these are pretty current. These are like September of 2019 was the date that I found on them. But these statistics will show you that the, the, the need is tremendous and is great. The challenge is before us. Go ahead, Phil, and, and put up that first one. According to the global status of evangelical Christians, in our world today, there are 368 people groups. That could be uh, tribes, indigenous peoples it could just be pockets in urban areas there are 368 people groups which which represents about 10 million people in our word world that there are no evangelical christians and there are there's no evangelical witness among those peoples the next one to, to look at in what's called in, in, in the part of the world where there's, there's not zero, but there's not more than 2%. There's less than 2% evangelical Christians in this part, these parts of the world. There's 6,700 plus people groups where less than 2% of the population or 4.5 billion people in our world where there's a gospel witness that's less than 2% of the population. And lastly... Or where we'll stop our statistics. In that part of the world where there's two to ten percent evangelical Christians. These are evangelical, those that would, would believe in in salvation through Christ, through through being born again, through that experience of of coming to uh, to repentance in our sin and and inviting Christ to be Lord of our lives. There are twenty eight hundred and fifty plus people groups. Where less than 10% of their population is evangelical Christian, that represents 2.55 billion people. So if you do the math, that's almost, that's over 7 billion people on the earth where 10% or less of the population has an evangelical witness or there are Christians up to 10% of the population. Church, the need to set apart. And to send continues to be one of the greatest needs of our churches and of our world today. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, and then we said, Here I am, send me. Church, we must foster, we must train up this missionary zeal and spirit within the life of our church, we must encourage our children and our our youth and our young adults to consider the possibility of going and, and call out those gifts that would allow them to do that. Even in, in the sending service this last week, retired couples going and serving in foreign nations. As we close this morning, I'd like to ask this question. It's a question that we must each answer individually or as a church. Are we going to be the church of Jerusalem? Or are we going to be the church of Antioch? Let me explain. The church at Jerusalem was the first church. And it was filled with the traditions of their past and was fighting to hang on to them as they they tried to understand their Jewish history and past with the good news of Christ. And they wanted to hang on to these traditions and rituals of the past as a vital expression of their faith. Things like circumcision, things like the proper diet and not eating the meats. Relationships of men and women in the church. This climax comes to a head in the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. And from that point on, the church at Jerusalem drifts away and off the center stage of the church. You see, they never understood or embraced the future of the church. Yet the church at Antioch, the church at Antioch was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as they began to set apart and to send missionaries. In Acts chapter 11, it's the church in Antioch where the members are first called Christians because of their faith in Christ. Sending churches are where the power of God is experienced the fullest and the greatest. May we be the church of Antioch for a new generation, sending people, yes, into our community and our state and our nation, but yes, even into the remotest parts of the earth. The voice of the Lord still calls. Who will go? And who will we send? Let's pray. Father, people need the Lord. And you still stir in your church this great commission to go. Yes, to go into Jerusalem. Yes, to go into Samaria and Judea and all those areas around us. But yes, even still to go into the remotest parts of the world. Lord, we thank you for the nations that have come to us. We thank you for the nations represented here in our church, in our congregation. And I pray that their presence would allow us and cause us to be more sensitive and aware and eager to fulfill this call to go and to share the good news. Father, stir our hearts today. Stir our hearts as each of us ponder this question, who will go and who will I send? As we stand and sing, I trust that the Spirit of God is is moving and working in your heart. As God would stir, I would encourage you to begin that that prayerful conversation and dialogue with God. If it's time to share with someone, come and we'll pray with you and we'll.